Welcome to the Covenant Life Center podcast. We're so thankful that you chose to listen to this message. To get more connected with us, you can look us up on all social media at CLC Victoria and download our app. Now, here's this week's message. Series called At the Movies. Now, we're taking clips and we're trying to spin off of that and apply biblical principle to help you know where you're at in Christ and help you live a victorious life. The one thing I recognize in there, and I think all of us can see that every one of those that were in that clip from, you remember the movie? The Greatest Showman. The Greatest Showman. You love that. Some of you love that movie. Well, my girls love that movie. I know some of your girls and some of you guys won't admit it, but you like that movie too. I went to the movie. I was like, man, I like this movie. I don't want to say it too loud yet because then I would prove my girls right. But every one of them were outcasts. Every one of them had something different about them. And do you know that you and I, when God found us, were the same in the same condition? In the same condition spiritually. Would you grab your Bible, stand to your feet one more time. Let's go to the Word. Let's get into God's Word and let's get into the, the preaching this Sunday morning. Are you excited to be in church here today? How's your summer going so far? Is your summer going okay? Give me a thumbs up if it's going all right. Mosquitoes down, thumbs down on the mosquitoes, right? My gosh, one hit me the other day, I thought it was a hummingbird. What in the world is going on here? Jeez. Are you ready? Matthew chapter 1. Someone asked me one time, why in the world would the writers put this many names in the beginning of a chapter? Well, we're going to find out one of those reasons why I believe today. This is the book of the generation of Jesus Christ. I'm reading out of the King James. I'll be going back and forth with different translations. But the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham, And Abraham beget Isaac. Everyone say Abraham. Abraham Abraham lied. Abraham wasn't perfect. Abraham picked the wrong woman. Abraham had flaws. And he beget Isaac. Isaac began Jacob. Everyone say Jacob. Jacob was a heel grabber. Jacob was a manipulator. Jacob lied. Jacob stole. But this is part of the lineage of Jesus Christ, who was perfect. And then Jacob beget Judas and his brethren. And Judas beget Pharaoh and Zara of Tamar. Now, when you look a little bit closer, we're going to break it down a little bit more and I'm going to show you some of these individuals and where they were at Pharaoh's beget Ezram Ezram beget Aram Aram beget Aminadab Aminadab beget Nason Nason beget Salmon Salmon beget Boaz and listen to this of Rahab Rahab the harlot Rahab the harlot who who lived on a wall, who housed thieves, 
who was nowhere near perfect, who was part of a community that God was fixing to destroy a nation. But somehow she found grace in the eyes of God. She found mercy. And look at her. She's right here right now. And then Boaz beget Obed of Ruth. Ruth. A Moabitess woman of the offspring of whose, whose, whose Moab was, was a son to a mother who had incest in her life. And then Ruth comes out and she's a foreigner. She's not a part of the covenant nation. But somehow, God in his divine mercy, she was awkward. She was awkward. She was an outcast. And then God put her right in the middle of his family. And Obed beget Jesse. And Jesse beget David. And we can stay all day on David. Look at David. A great king, yes. But a murderer, adulterer. This is the family of Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. So I'm going to go ahead and go on further, and then David beget Solomon. And I can stay there too. And of her that had been the wife of Uriah, a child, a child out of a relationship that, was, well, that wasn't ordained by God. But then you jump down by verse 15, and it goes on and says, Eliad beget Eleazar. Eleazar beget Mathan. And Mathan beget Jacob. And Jacob beget Joseph. And husband of Mary. And whom there was born Jesus. Who is called the Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David. Are 14 generations. And from David unto the carrying away into Babylon. Are 14 generations. And from the carrying away into Babylon unto Christ. Are 14 generations. This is the family of Jesus Christ. And now look around at your neighbor and tell them, and you fall into that category too. You fall into that category too. Now, before we go anyplace else, lift your voice. Praise for this service. That's God to bless it. Do you want the Lord to anoint it? Then ask him to. Come on. you want to hear from God? Then, then ask him to speak. God, we, we need you today. We want you today, God. So, Father, uh, anoint me, touch me. God, anoint the ears of every person, anoint their hearts. We pray that your spirit fill this house. We ask you, God, to have your way. We love you today, Jesus. Give us a proper perspective. Let us understand, God, who we are, where we come from, and your plan for us. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody say amen. Give God a hand clap. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Turn around to somebody and look at them and tell them, did you know you were an outcast? And you can be seated. The subtitle for today's message in this series is God's Outcast. The truth is, all of us were outcast. You were Gentiles. We, the church, most of the church is Gentile. And we have the privilege of being accepted by God. But when it came to the family tree of Jesus Christ, those 
illustrious branches that we look at in our family tree, looking for the honor and looking for the, 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 the stateliness of it. You know what I'm saying? You look for, and when I looked for my family tree, I've mentioned this before, I didn't know where I came from. When people ask me uh, what was my lineage or what did I come from, I joke around because I didn't know. Honestly, I was embarrassed. I didn't have a clue. And I said, well, my family, I heard we were at the Alamo selling raspas. That's where I think my family was. Go, it's at the Alamo. Look at a little bitty muñecos, little bitty. Right there in the corner. I didn't know where my family came from. But I think everybody has the hope of looking back on your family tree to find out where history is so you get an idea of what you would be and your family would become. Because most of the time, most of the time, you follow the same pattern. But Jesus Christ broke the pattern. He broke the pattern. But when you look at his family tree, the only begotten son of God, God chose to put his, him, his, his deity within a human body. He could have he put it into any lineage. He could have put it into any family that was perfect, you know, in the sense of, of a good reputation, everyone being honest, hardworking, um, you, you know, good, good, good reputation, unbroken marriages, whatever it may be. He could have picked the, the perfect family, but, but instead, he picked outcast. People that were, were the most unlikely individuals, and he, and he didn't hide it. Every scripture, the Bible says, and we believe this as well, that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for instruction in righteousness, right? It's what the Bible says. But God chose to inspire these men to write and inscribe the entire family lineage. I believe in one of the reasons why is to prove to you and I that, that you don't have to be perfect to be used by God. And it doesn't matter what family you come from, there's always hope. And just because your mom and dad did something doesn't mean that you have to do the same thing. Or maybe because uh, it doesn't matter what your past is. All that matters is, is that God redeemed your past and he's given you a future. But these are all examples. And if you read the Bible and understand that and do research on everything that God put in there, the message is always the same. The message is redemption. God redeems us. God keeps us. And so Jesus displayed, he, he displayed all of this. The scripture records that even the most reverent members of the body of Christ are, the, are Christ's family and ancestry were guilty of unspeakable crimes. Jacob was a thief. Solomon was an idolater when even, even he got the commandments. He went into the temple, prayed a prayer that's recorded in history as being the only, one of the only times that God actually filled the atmosphere with his glory where you couldn't even move and the ministers couldn't even speak. And God answered him and told him, I'm going to make you prosperous. I'm going to make you rich. I'm going to give you wisdom like no other man has ever received. Even after all of that, he went and married other women that worshiped other gods, and he ended up embracing that same doctrine. That, the richest man who ever lived, the wisest man that ever was on the earth outside of Jesus, that was him. But yet God said, I'm going to use him. David was a killer, a manipulator. It's amazing. But perhaps the most amazing thing about the genealogy of Jesus it's not that 
It was the sins of the men that, that are listed or the women or they're falling short. After all, there are 56 generations of them, right? And then one would certainly expect to find a skeleton or two, you know. We expect that in our own families. We expect that within our own self. We're not perfect, but, but when God gets a hold of someone's life, he makes everything work out for good. That's the most amazing thing. God causes everything. Let's repeat that scripture. Repeat after me. All things work together for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Someone say amen. Someone say amen. Say it again. By the mouth of two or three witnesses, Tamar, the daughter-in-law of Judah, who tricked him into sharing her bed as an act of revenge, Rahab, a formerly idolatrous harlot whose great act of faith was telling a lie, Ruth, a foreigner from Moab, whose entire race was a lasting reminder of the incest committed between Lot and his older daughter. That's how her race got established. Bathsheba, an adulterous woman whose dutiful husband was murdered by the king to cover up her sin. And, and here, last but not least, and I want you to really think about this, Mary, though pure-hearted, though a virgin, a virgin, sorry, I'll speak in Spanish, Yet, in our generation, if that had happened to Mary, she would be considered part of the unplanned generation. Or can you imagine, can you imagine, now we've been more gracious in our generation. We've been more accepting, and I thank God for the love of God. I thank God for that kind of grace because, it, to me, it's a sign that, that everyone has done something wrong and no one is is guiltless, but everyone is guilty. We've all been, we're all sinners in front of God, but God's makes, his, his grace makes us saints and pure, right? But can you imagine, that's our generation. We're very forgiving on a lot of things, but back in her day, can you imagine who was going to believe the story that the Spirit of God overshadowed her and she conceived? She was young. She was pregnant and she had no husband. But yet God said, I'm not ashamed of her. I'm going to honor her. I'm going to put her in front of everyone. And then, then God brought his only begotten son into the world. Born in a manger. In a manger. Not the children's hospital, a manger with animals, a king, a royalty who didn't get brought into the city on a carriage, but came in riding on a donkey. But God said, I picked the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. 
the weak things of the world to confound the mighty, that no flesh will get glory from me. That no flesh can glory in my presence is what he said. This is the paradox and the irony of how God does things. This is what God chooses to do. That's kind of why I like that, that clip of that movie because we can look at them and in the movie when you're engaged in it, you look at it and you're thinking, wow, a bearded woman. Wow, look at that little guy. Dude, look at that hairy dude. I mean, the truth is, is that can you imagine what you and I look like spiritually? Can you imagine what you and I look like spiritually? Our perception is off. When we look, we look on the outward. But God told Samuel, God told Samuel, when Samuel looked at all of David's brothers, he said, surely this is the one. He's tall. He's got broad shoulders. I know, don't get scared. Got broad shoulders. He's got the look. And God said, that's not the one. The one that I've chosen, he's a little rud, a little lad, ruddy. He's just a little guy. And, and he told Samuel, Samuel, men look on the outside, but I look at the heart. The heart. Only God can see our heart. Only God can see our condition. When you and I look at things, sometimes it's so important. You see everyone, we seem to have it all together, but it doesn't matter. I've seen people who drove nice cars. I've seen people who have driven almost a $100,000 car. I've seen this before, yet they're miserable. They have problems in their life. I've seen people who have worn $800 suits before that are simply miserable. Their family life is terrible. Their spiritual life is filled with depression. And you can never look on the outward of what people look like. Even those that seem to be healthy and strong can still be spiritually something wrong. You can only see the heart and only God can give you a proper perspective because I promise you, we can all look at each other and every one of us gets a different view. But here's the first thing we need to accept. In order for us to truly meet our fulfillment in Christ and become what God's called us to be, you have to accept one thing, that you're awkward to begin with. I don't care who it is on this world. Everyone in this world has a quirk. Everybody. Everybody has that one little thing that makes them weird. <laughs> look at your husband and wife and tell them, I know he's talking about you. Come on, look at somebody. I know what your quirks are. Someone say acceptance. Acceptance is the very first thing that needs to happen in order for us to move on, to move on and accept who we are, how God made you. 
God made you the way he made you for a reason. Gave you the personality that you have for a reason. God didn't allow you to have those pipes like you wish you had. God didn't allow you maybe to sing like a songbird. Maybe God didn't give you that artistic, not autistic, artistic ability to just have an eye for things. Maybe God didn't give you that administrative skill, but maybe he gave you people skills. And maybe sometimes you become vulnerable to certain environments, but that's okay. There are other people that God will use, but we can't choose to have somebody else's plan because God has a greater plan for you. The reason why I'm saying this to people and to you today, uh, because in the generation we're living in now, most people expect you to live up to a certain standard, a certain style, a certain lingo, jargon. I don't know everything there is to know about the vocabulary of this generation. I try to have my kids teach me. I, in fact, I've submitted my wardrobe for whatever I've got to my daughter, so she bought me these shoes. I never thought I'd stand on a platform with tennis shoes, but you know what? They know their generation, and I'm not trying to be younger. I'm just trying to be obedient. God asked me to become all things to all men, and I don't, it's not my strength. If it was up to me, I'd look like a dork probably. I don't know. My, my see, she said yes. <laughs> but I don't care about those things. It's not my strength. Used to be. But see, I got, this is going to make you laugh probably. Used to think about all those things. Then I got married and I don't care. <laughs> I got what I wanted already. I did, I did my best sermons when I met Pastor Dodd. Preached my best sermons. I used vocabulary I didn't even think I had in my, up here. Sweet, suavecito, but anyhow. But you all get that way in your moment. We all try to make up for what we lack. But in the eyes of God, he wants you to accept where you're at, who you are, your family, your, your lineage, your last name. I saw a documentary on, on Netflix, and don't judge me. You watch Netflix, too, all the time. You, yeah, you, you binge on Netflix. Anyhow, there's a, there's a documentary on names, names that, that parents gave to their children. You may know this girl, but we went to high school with her. Her name was uh, Gamblin. Her, last, her first name was Gamble. Uh, her, last name was, her, her first name was um, Gamble, her last name was Money. Her middle name was Lynn. Gambling Money. Remember the song from Johnny Cash about Sue? I named you that so you can be tough when you got older. You have to accept, accept who you are, how God made you. Point number one, and this is the only point I'm giving you today, for the sake of time, embrace your awkwardness. Embrace your awkwardness. Listen, we all know you're awkward, but we love you. 
We all know you have that one little thing that makes you different, Misty. It's okay. We love you. Right? We love you, Peter. We love you, man. I love the way you worship. Love you, Rick. I love the way, man, you got that, got that, that, that aura about you when you walk in and you got that little weapon ready to go. I, I love that about you, man. I love that about you, Johnny, when you walk in and act like, a, like, like the godfather. I love that, Johnny. I love it. I love everything about everyone and things that they do and have it, habits that they have. And, and, and sometimes it's not funny to you, or not funny to me, but it's funny to you, and that's what makes it funny for me. Right? You ever met somebody, they told you a joke, it wasn't funny at all, but they laughed, and it was their laughter that made you laugh? <laughs> not their joke, not their awkwardness, but I accept it. You see, Jesus accepts all of us. I am so awkward in social settings. Unless I'm talking about business or something, I, I can, I'm all right. But when it comes to just, I don't know, I get awkward in social settings, but, but I'm awkward. I'm socially awkward, and I'm good with that. My wife, not at all. So I've learned throughout the years, and try, instead of stressing myself out, instead of stressing myself out, I've accepted it. I'm awkward. I'm quiet. I'm here, I'm not. My wife, she loves talking to everybody. I let her go. Go, baby. Go make us look good. <laughs> She's all over the place, loving on people. When Pastor Dawn was little, she used to tell me, her mama told me, that she used to go to everyone and say, can I go home with you? Can I go home with you? Never met a stranger. She had to watch her real close because she would go and love on kids all over the place. Then say, I want to go home with you. It's still the same way. <laughs> but I love it. I love it sometimes that, that my wife is just oblivious to certain things. I love the awkwardness. If that's awkward, I don't know if it is or not, but I love it. And I can just imagine how God looks at us. We don't have it all together, but do you ever think that God adored you just the way you are? Have you ever thought just, you may not have the knowledge or the skill, but have you ever thought how attractive it was to God, the fact that you depend on him for that? I, I, I think I need to repeat that. I need to repeat that. Have you ever thought how much it touches and moves God's heart to see it when you lack an ability or a know-how or resources and your limitations, have you ever thought how attractive that was or how much it moved the heart of God for you to depend on him? I mean, honestly, doesn't it make you feel special when somebody looks at you and depends on you for, for wisdom, for understanding, for, for just things that you know that Something comes out of you, like you feel like your value just gone up. I mean, you ever felt that way? Your value goes up. Am I the only one? I mean, I understand when God anoints me, and there's sometimes God gives me things that I didn't have a clue, but he's kind of gave it to me, and I, I recognize that. And I also recognize that there are some things that I have been through in life 
that enables me to talk to somebody else that's going through the same thing and help them. And, 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 and helping someone because of my challenges, because of the things that, my awkwardness. Because everything you've been, you've been handed as far as being different and limited in, that's your struggle. But you have fought throughout the years. But you have strived to become better. But you have, you have constantly developed that within yourself. And I'm guessing that's what you've done because I think that's what all of us do. We all want to be better, right? And by the time you get to that place, someone comes into your life, and now your awkwardness has become a ministry. Your awkwardness has become something that can be relevant to somebody else. Your struggle in your life, the fact that you may have come from a broken home, can minister to somebody and help them have hope and realize that you can have a successful marriage. You can have children raised in a godly home. Your children can be a greater success than you are. It's never too late. Whatever the circumstance is, God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things that are mighty. God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the things that think that they're wise. Don't underestimate the power of being awkward. So God chose his family, and I think for the whole world to see, to prove to you that if Jesus Christ came from a broken family, then you have hope if your family's broken too or your circumstances aren't working out the way you think they need to be worked out. Or you come from a family that, come out, that came out of poverty that, listen, I'm going to tell you, it doesn't have to be that way. He broke the cycle. You have the life of Christ inside of you. You have the same hope that everyone has ever had from the beginning of time when God has called you. You have promises that have been given to you through that Bible that you have. You have promises that have been given to you to help you evolve and become everything you were meant to be. Number one, you know, again, put yourself out there. You want to overcome your awkwardness. You want to overcome your weaknesses. You got to do something. You have to, number one, you got to put yourself out there. You're going to have to take a chance. You're going to have to be confident in who God made you. Don't focus on your weaknesses. Focus on your strengths. God gave you things. Your greatest gift may not be coming back with a good comeback. You realize that? Your greatest strength may not be being able to dish it out or coming back with an argument. Your greatest strength may be just simply being silent. Because sometimes silence is golden, and silence speaks volumes. And sometimes our mouth can get us in trouble. Somebody say amen. amen. You know what it has for me at times. But you have to choose your battles correctly. If your awkwardness is being outspoken, then do something opposite of that to grow your character. But there's a time for God there's a time that God's going to use you to speak out and be a voice. That's why the gift is there. The gift of <laughs> the gift of gab, whatever it may be. There's a moment that God will anoint you and use you, but until you embrace it, 
until you accept it. But you have to get yourself out of a comfort zone. Be proud of your family. Be proud of your mom and your daddy. Honor your mom and your dad. Honor your mom and your dad. It's so important to do this. I'm going to share a story with you about this. I want to, because we're talking about lineage and awkwardness. I didn't come from a, a spirit-filled family. My family wasn't perfect. And I grew up with some things in my life I'm not proud of. And I did some things growing up when I was in my teens that I felt like was irresponsible and, and, and ungrateful. And, and for a while, I struggled financially. I struggled financially. And, and I went to the Lord. You know, if you have a sickness, if you have, if you're living with, with, with financial issues, whatever it may be, those aren't a product of God's grace or a product of something that happened in your life or something that's being hindered. There's a source to that, and God knows the answer to break it. And I'm not saying that you've sinned, but there may be something there you have to ask God about or let him show you. So I went to God in prayer, and I, and I, I went in my room, and I've had enough. And I said, Lord, what is the deal? I get blessed, and then I have nothing. I get blessed, then I have nothing. I get blessed, then I'm struggling. I go, what is going on here? Why can't I obtain and maintain everything? And I thought, I've cut back on my stewardship. I've cut back on, I, I, we, we created a budget. Look, I don't, I don't care how many, how many Crown Royal, oh, is it Crown Royal? What is the name of that uh, financial institution? Crown Ministries? Yeah. Crown Royal. Some of you went, all right. Oh, my Pastor Bobby, I knew it. <laughs> oh, man. I love it. I love it. I love it when I mess up. Embrace your awkwardness. Embrace it. I don't care. Listen, I don't care Crown Ministries or Dave Ramsey, how many lessons you go through. If there's a spiritual problem, you, only God can fix it. Okay? Now listen. So I asked the Lord, what's the problem? And he spoke to me and he said, you remember when you were little? Not little, but you remember when you were younger? And you took your mom's debit card. See, my dad was a millionaire. My dad was very, my dad did well. But before and after my, mom, my, my, my dad passed, we lost everything. Because the lifestyle that we were in wasn't conducive to the scriptures. We didn't live a godly life. And we all knew it. And things happened. And the locust, the canker worm, came and devoured everything. And he said, do you remember when you used to take her card and just use hundreds of dollars like nothing? She let you do it a couple of times, but then you took advantage of it. Remember that time you raised your voice and you mistreated your mom and you told her some things? Oh, don't, act, don't look at me. I'm telling you. We, maybe you've never done that, but I wasn't raised in a Christian home. We had conflict and spirits that were there that messed with us. We had no defense mechanisms for he reminded me of all that stuff. 
And he said, go apologize to your mother and make it right. And I had my mom over to my house. And I sat her down. Grown man. Cried like a baby. I said, Mom. I said, Mommy. I called my mom, Mommy. I'm sorry. I said, remember that time I did this? I said, Mom, I did this when I was younger. I'm so sorry, Mama. And my mom was so forgiving, she said, it's okay, mijo. I love you. Don't worry about that. Don't think about that. And she did something for me that moment I hadn't had when I, since, I, since I was little. She became a mom to me again. And she came to me and she hugged me. I said, it's okay, I love you. And I felt like I was a little kid, a, a young teenager again. And I felt God just heal something in my life. That's when, that's when. To my kids, that's around the time that God started blessing our business and gave me businesses and connected me to millionaires and connected me to the right people. Then God opened up doors for us. Now, I'm not saying we are millionaires. And I'm, and I'm saying that we have it all together. But God has begun the process of restoration. And until you embrace and get over the past and put it under the blood and accept what was wrong and accept your shortcomings and take responsibility for them and take them to God, God can't use you the way he wants to. I'm telling you, this works. God honors that. That's why the scripture says, honor thy father and thy mother. There's blessings with that, and for that you have long life. And so, Philippians, Philippians 3, 3 through 10. Listen to what Paul wrote. For we are the circumcision, meaning we are the Jews who worship the Spirit of God and the glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. He said, now listen, I know who we are. In other words, that's what he was saying. I know there's a fly up here trying to get me. It's my cologne. I knew it attracts everything. <laughs> he said, I know who we are. I know where we come from, but we have no confidence in that. But you see, he had to first acknowledge it. He had to first acknowledge it. And he says, though I myself have reason for confidence in my flesh also, if anyone thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever I gain I had, Whatever I was, I've accepted it all because if I had the right to, I could do it right here. If anybody had the chance, I have a great chance to do that because I know who I am. Now, he's bragging a little bit here, 
But first, you have to recognize he had to first acknowledge that. Then he said this, but whatever gain I had, I count as loss for the sake of Christ. I indeed, indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. In other words, everything he is is greater than what I was. Everything he is is greater than what I was of Christ. So he goes, for the sake, for his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes from the faith of Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and share his suffering and become like him in his death. And then you jump down, and then he says it in verse 13, brothers, do not consider, I, I do not consider that I have made it my, on my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and stretching and straining and reaching for the things that lie ahead. For towards to what is and lies ahead. It doesn't matter. My, you see, because his popularity and his, his lineage and his his perfect life in the eyes of everyone else was really his, was his awkwardness in the church. Here's the paradox. What you count success in the world, in the eyes of God, it may be failure. Or in the eyes of God, it may not measure up the way you think it should measure up. Because he also said, whoever chooses to gain this whole world, they, they're going to lose their own soul. So that's what I'm referring to. What does it gain a man? To, what does it, it gain? What is it for him that he gains the whole world but loses his soul? So I understand. What I feel like are my strengths in my personal life, they, be, they can become my weaknesses if I don't depend on the strength of God. Does that make sense? It's all about perception. How do people look at you? But more than that, how does God look at you? How does God look at you? Are you ready? Let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. There, there is an elephant. Now, there's a story about some blind people that were asked to go to identify what this was. Have you heard the story? For those of you who haven't, the story goes that one blind person they let go and to try to identify the elephant and that person went straight to the tusk and that blind individual touched it and he said uh this is a spear they took note of it another blind individual came in and he grabbed did i say tusk this is the tusk? Trunk, sorry. Had a brain, you know what. <laughs> Almost said it. So he went and he touched the trunk. When he touched the trunk, he said, this is a snake. So the next one comes in, and they're taking note of this and watching everyone's perception. This is blind people. 
And they came in, and the next one touched the ear. He goes, oh, this is a giant fan. They wrote that down. Then the next one came in and touched the leg and said, oh, this is a tree. And the next one came in and started touching and climbed up on a, they, they, they helped him up on a little ladder, let him touch it a little bit more, and he said, oh, this is a giant wall. It was awkward, but this is a wall because he reached all over. And then finally one came and grabbed the tail and said, oh, this is nothing more than a rope. And everyone had their perspective. Now, from your perspective, we all look at this and we see an elephant. But from somebody else's perspective, this is what they saw. That's what they saw. And every single one of us, every single one of us has our own perspective in life on how we even look or maybe how others look. That's why it's so important to get a godly perspective and realize who you are in Christ Jesus. Because you can tear yourself apart. But I also thank God that love is blind, right? Love is blind, so when God sees you, he sees the good. He knows all the bad. He knows what you are. I mean, that's like the elephant in the room. Everyone knows, but in the eyes of God, he sees your giftings. He sees your strength. He sees your potential. He knows who you are. He, see, he knew exactly what he was getting when he saved Paul. He knew exactly what he was getting when he saved Paul. Paul was breaking it down. Paul was telling everyone, this is who I am. In the church, this is what I was. In the government, this is what I was. In my religion, uh, you know, in my own relationship with God and knowing the law, this is what I was. That was his perception. But then he said, but I count all those things but dung and, and loss. All that matters to me is what God thinks about me. That's all that matters. The only thing in life that matters to me is God's perspective of me. Because God's love is blind. Aren't you thankful for that? God loves you so much. And that's the awkwardness we need to embrace. Before you could ever accept your destiny, accept your differences, deal with it. Deal with it. So what? So what? You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. That's the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. How many of you agree with that? That's the power of God in your life. Come on. Do you really, are you thankful for who you are? Do you know God sees your potential? You can be more than what you are right now if you just accept the fact that you need to love yourself and let God love you and accept it and say, you know what? I am who I am. This is the way God made me. And there's a purpose and there's a reason. And I'm going to fulfill it in my life. And I'm going to see God use my talent, use my giftings, use my abilities. I don't care if it's hardly, yeah, I don't care how minute it may seem to everyone else. Little is much when it's in the hands of God. Come on, somebody give him some praise right now. 
stand to your feet this Sunday morning. This is where I pray that you get some revelation and understanding. You can only grow when you're willing to do something awkward and uncomfortable. Get out of your comfort zone, even if you don't feel like it's your strength, and grow. Accept who you are, and then take a step of faith in Jesus and be what God's called you to be. This is where, this is where the strength lies. Confidence in Christ. Confidence in Him. Confidence in the Lord. I want you to just love God right now, if you will. I want you to embrace Him right now, if you will, by the lifting up of your hearts, expressing it through your hands, expressing it through worship, and tell Him, thank you for making me the way that I am. And thank you for giving me the strength that I've got. I don't have to look at everyone else. My family doesn't have to be perfect. My history doesn't have to be perfect. But God, if you can take every, every single one of those people in, 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 in your family, if you can take David and make him a king, if you can take Ruth and make her a landowner on the places where she went and gathered little, if you can take people like Rahab and put her in the family, then Lord, I know you can take me at any time in my life and use me and help me and bless me. I accept it today, God. Thank you for making me. Thank you for we are wonderfully and fearfully made. That's a healthy individual. A healthy person has acceptance. But listen, just because you accept it doesn't mean you have to stay the same. But you can't stay the same unless you first accept it and let God change you. That's the point. Let God be God in your life. God has greater things for you to do. God has greater things for you to do in your life. It's not over yet. I don't care how old you are. It isn't over yet. If you're still breathing, God can still use you and God can still work through your life. How many of you believe that this Sunday morning? I believe that. So let's pray right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we pray for blessings because you've asked us. We pray the prayer, we pray the prayer of Jabez that you may bless me and enlarge our territory. God, we give you honor. We thank you. We thank you, God. Thank you for making us the way we are. And God, help us identify with everything in our life that's necessary to see you move, to see you do great things, God. I love you today, Jesus. I love you today. I bless you today. In Jesus' name. Keep your heads bowed for a moment and your eyes closed, if you will. If you're in this building and you've not given your life to Jesus, maybe you've felt like an outcast. Maybe you've felt like you've been just, this awkwardness has been in your life. It could be because you haven't fully surrendered to God. Maybe you're here and you don't really understand your life. Maybe you don't know exactly what you were designed for. Or maybe you have been, uh, you've experienced Christ, but maybe you haven't really been living the way you need to live for Him. I think it's about time that we surrender to him and tell him, Lord, I give you my heart and I accept you as my Savior. 
if that's you, as everyone's head is bowed and eyes closed, eyes closed, would you just simply raise your hand real quickly if that's you? Thank you so much. Now, we're going to all pray together. And I want you to pray the way you feel in your heart. I'm going to pray with you, and you can repeat what I'm saying, but you say it the way you feel because God sees the heart. And we're going to pray this prayer together. Church family, can we pray this prayer together? There are people in the crowd that that are going to give their life to Jesus right now. So let's just pray together. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. God, forgive me for everything I have ever done. I believe you died for me on the cross. I believe you sent your only begotten son Jesus, I believe you gave your blood for me. It was shed for me. Forgive me. And I thank you today. Take my life into your hands. Take my awkwardness. Take who I am. Use it for your glory. And I can do all things through you. When you strengthen me. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Accept me as your child today. I need you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I want to love you more. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap. Our mission here at Covenant Life Center is to help our world live, give, and love like Jesus. If our ministry has impacted you in any way, we would love for you to email us at info at clcvictoria.org. You can get connected with us through our social media at CLC Victoria and download our app.